and the hashtag for sharing on social media is hashtag EA Global. So it's my pleasure to welcome Max Dalton. Max is the Executive Director of the Centre for Effective Altruism and the former head of CEA's content team. He previously ran student groups at, in Oxford and York where he studied the cost effectiveness of research and the determinants of technological progress. Please welcome me in, please join me in welcoming Max. So I'd like to start by asking you to imagine your dream colleague, uh, someone who has a bunch of skills which you don't currently have on your team, on your organization, someone who can do vital work that you can't currently do. And imagine where that dream colleague might be now. I think they're probably, uh, they might be a university student, they might be a few steps back in their career. And this talk will be about how you can help uh, some mindsets which I think you might want to try on uh, that can help you find that dream colleague. Um, some reasons why you might or might not want to actually try to actually use those mindsets. And then finally some specific ideas for things you could do to make it more likely that uh, you can find a dream colleague. So to start off with some mindsets. Um, I think the first mindset is a kind of part-time mindset to uh, spend a bit of time helping newer people, people who are a couple of steps back in the journey, maybe a couple of hours a week, um, and doing this alongside your, your main work. A second mindset you can use is to maybe go more all-in and say, okay, rather than doing my research or, or my operations work, I'm going to view myself as instead building a team around the research questions that I have. Uh, for the longer term and building a field that you want to be a part of in five years time rather than just being an individual contributor. So having that more as like the full-time thing that you're doing. So these are two mindsets that I think you might want to consider, a part-time mindset and a full-time mindset. But before we explore those more, I want to look into why might you want to do this? Why might this be, be a good idea? And I think broadly there are some reasons of impact, which is maybe the first thing we care about. And then also some more personal reasons why you might want to consider this. So first off, impact. I think the key argument here is a multiplier argument. So I think if you spend a few dozen hours uh, talking with people, uh, helping advise them, mentor them, support them in their career, you might every now and then be able to help switch someone into a much more high impact path, or you might be able to accelerate them in that path by a few months or a year. And so I think there are cases, obviously you need to do counterfactual adjustment and a whole bunch of caveats, but I think there can be cases where um, you put in a few hours and you get a lot more aligned time in the long run from someone else. And I think this is backed up by survey data as well. So this is open data from Open Philanthropy, um, and they uh, were basically asking people what got you into your career path. And you can see that the green and the yellow, a lot of that is just people giving each other advice. Um, and that's actually comparable to the impact that a bunch of major organizations had. Uh, so I think people giving each other advice can be just very powerful. And I think another reason why you might want to consider this is that when we ask uh, community leaders uh, what percentage of our resources should we be putting in different buckets, it looks like um, compared to what they think we should be putting into Meta, we're still not putting in enough. And so that means that if you're doing direct work, maybe you should consider sp spending a bit of your time also on meta projects um, to write that balance. 
And then there are some other reasons, some personal reasons, why I think this might be a good idea for you too. So um, one is to pay it forward. Um, so I know that I've benefited a lot from mentorship from people in the past. And I think there's a kind of, it feels like a good norm for the people who benefited from mentorship um, and advice and support to pay it on to other people who really need that um, support. Another reason is to um, build your network. So yeah, a lot of the people who you might be talking to, they currently might be quite junior, but they might well end up being leaders of the field. And if you start building those relationships and getting to know them, I think both you and the field uh, will benefit in the long run. And remember that you're tracking things that other people are not. Um, so like CEA tries to keep abreast of a bunch of different fields, but if you're doing research in a particular area, you're gonna know a lot more about the people you want to hire. You're gonna know a lot more about how to communicate the idea as well. And so it's really vital that you get involved if you want to see the type of field that, that you want to be a part of. And finally, I think it can just be satisfying. Um, a lot of our work, we don't have a direct benefit. Uh, we don't see the direct benefit very much. You know, um, you might be doing research which you hope will reduce existential risk in the long run. Um, whereas mentoring someone, I think you, it can be just very nice to see someone's career progress and help them find a satisfying place. But I think it's also worth considering why not do this? And probably the main reason I, I bet is that it feels like there's just not any time. And yeah, I think you're probably kind of right about this. Um, you are busy and you're doing a bunch of important things. But because of the multiplier argument, I think sometimes it can be that the, this sort of field building work is even more high impact than, what, than your direct research work. And it is just something that you should prioritize and put first. Another reason might be that you're focused on your own work. You've got your own agenda, your own ideas and vision that you're driving forward. But again, I think it might be more effective to drive that vision forward by, as part of a team and by building a team and a field around those ideas. Um, you're much more likely to be able to tackle the problems in the long run. And finally, you might think, this just isn't a good fit for me. Uh, like, I much prefer you know, operations work or I prefer to be in a spreadsheet or uh, doing research. But actually, I think there are often ways to uh, use different skills, you might not be a good fit for some types of community building, but it might be another way that you can help build the field that does leverage the skills you have. So now onto some specific ideas. And I'm just going to share a bunch of different ideas. You know yourself best, and you can best figure out like where you want, how you want to contribute here. Um, so yeah, play to your strengths as we go through this. So on that first kind of approach or mindset to helping build the field, which is this part-time mindset of helping uh, people who are maybe a couple of steps back in their journey. Um, yeah, we're gonna get, dig into like some ways you might find such people. Um, but yeah, first I want to say that one, one to two steps back in your journey, I think is a real sweet spot. So if you have just entered a job, you're gonna know a lot about the application process. Uh, processes that you went through, you're going to give much better advice to people who are uh, on the job market than maybe someone much senior. And similarly, if you're just finishing up a PhD or something, you're probably going to be able to give much better advice to people who are just starting out on a PhD about how to be successful in that. So I think this means often that even quite junior people, even if you're just starting out on your career, you might still be able to offer a lot of really useful advice to people who are one to two steps back. You don't need to be senior or an expert to be helpful to other people. 
And so the key thing here is really just, it's about meeting newer people, um, meeting people who are one to two steps back, offering advice, offering support, kind of listening to what they're thinking through. And maybe for some of those, if it's a good fit, it ends up being a, a long-term mentorship relationship. And I imagine that a lot of you might have been doing this or receiving a lot of this at EA Global. So that's one great place that you can do this. I think the next best place to do this is to visit a local group. So there are loads of amazing, um, a lot of, as I said, a lot of your future dream colleagues are probably going to be in university groups right now. And I think it's, it's possible to go and visit these groups, um, to get to know these people who could be really important colleagues in the future, and to share some of the cutting edge ideas with them, share some advice, um, and then you benefit from this broader network that will be useful in the future. So consider trying to find a group near you or a group you have connections to and arranging a time to visit. Another thing you can do similarly is uh, facilitate a virtual program. So you can sign up on the website, and this is basically to lead eight discussion groups with a bunch of people who are new to EA and keen to learn more. So that's a bunch of ways in which you can um, spend a small amount of your time meeting people who are a couple of steps back and helping them on their journey. But I want to also talk about this more full-time mindset of I'm going to, rather than being an individual contributor, I'm going to see the main part of my role as building a field around this work that I'm really passionate about and that I know a lot about. And I think this can be a really useful model. So here's an example. I think one of the most useful things you can do is kind of mentor and supervise people. Um, and so I was, uh, when I was an undergrad, I got a lot of really useful mentorship from Owen Cotton Barrett, who helped me kind of think through a bunch of research skills and um, yeah, reflect on my own thinking and mistakes. And um, yeah, Owen did this with me and he did this with some other people and he realized, oh, actually, I'm pretty good at this and it's very useful. And so he set up a research scholars program, which is trying to find, hire, and mentor these people long-term. So this is just an example. Uh, I think other things might be like internships or other kind of junior research programs or uh, things like that. But I think generally like trying to spend time mentoring and supervising people and doing that as a major part of your work um, can be really very high impact. If instead you've got some ideas that you really want people to explore more, or there are people who you want, you want to have encourage conversations between different groups of people. I also would encourage you to run retreats on topics you're interested in, like research topics, or to try and get more people into a field. Um, I think this can be as simple as renting an Airbnb and getting takeaway. Um, so it doesn't have to be incredibly logistically complicated, but it can really spark a bunch of interesting conversations and help more people get involved. And then finally, you can, um, it's not all about kind of events and talking with people if you prefer writing, I think it can be very useful to write up advice and share that more widely, perhaps on the forum or on Less Wrong. So an example of this recently is Michael Aird wrote up some advice on what he would tell someone who wants to apply to EA funds. And that probably took a couple of hours of Michael's time, but it can be read by hundreds or even thousands of people and hopefully help them uh, with, with that process. So if you don't like meeting people so much, consider writing instead. And can even consider writing textbooks. So I think an interesting edge case here is like probably most people, you might think of The Precipice as mostly a book that's a research book. And it is in a way, like there's a, a bunch of original research in there and careful thought. But it's also a book that's designed to help people get familiar with these concepts, help make it easier to share them more widely. And so I think 
this is an example where there's a bit of a blurry line between what's meta work and what's uh, object level research work. And I think work at that intersection can often be really useful. So to summarize, um, I think there's a lot of useful, I think it can be useful for people who are doing direct work, particularly research, um, to think about how can you spend more of your time getting more people into the field. And kind of via these two mindsets. Uh, one is to spend a little bit of your time uh, mentoring people who are a couple of steps back in their journey and sharing your advice. And the second is to go more all in where you think rather than being an individual contributor, my main goal will be to build a field around a set of ideas or a, a, set, a piece of work that I'm excited about. So what are some things that you could do today? Um, first off, I think you could meet people, probably you're exhausted of meeting people by now, um, but I'd particularly encourage you to try and reach out to pe those people who are like a couple of steps back in their journey, see if you can help them. And especially amongst that group, I'd really encourage you to talk to more group organizers. There are loads of group organizers doing incredible work, and I think a lot of them, a lot of the organizers and also the people in our groups will be the people that you're recruiting in a couple of years' time as the fields grow. Um, and so see, maybe there's a group you can uh, visit that's nearby you. See if you could set that up uh, in the next few hours. So, and more broadly, what I think I want to leave you with is thinking about this dream colleague, um, the colleague who has the skills you need who will do the work that no one else is doing right now. And think about where they are. Keep looking out for them over the next few months. And think about how you could use a bit of your time over the next few months to find them and help them. Thank you. Thanks very much, Max. Um, so you talk about a kind of a multiplier effect um, when you do this kind of work um, and mentoring people. Um, but how do you think about the kind of counterfactual impacts of that mentoring if they're already kind of EA sympathetic? Yeah, so I think um, this is one reason why I talked about it as a bit more of a speed up um, mm -hmm. rather than uh, necessarily switching someone from like producing no value to producing tons of value. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it, it can be easier to think about how um, rather than someone, yeah, maybe someone was going to switch into a new career in October, but you talk to them in January and you like get them involved a bit sooner mm -hmm. and so you can maybe counterfactually be responsible for those few, few months of work. Um, so that's a bit of the idea. I don't think you can kind of make the whole difference, but you can speed things up and that's quite valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when people are considering whether to do this kind of work, like part-time or full-time, what are the main considerations you, you think they should think through? Yeah, so I think um, the second mindset is in a way quite similar to a kind of management skill set. In, mm -hmm. in a way, it's, you might think of it as pretty similar to like looking out for people to hire and mentor and, and coach. And so I think if you enjoyed that skill set, um, then the second thing is, is a pretty good uh, option. And similarly, if you really enjoy writing, I think mm -hmm. that that's more the kind of second uh, the building a field route. Mm -hmm. um, and if, you, if neither of those things is kind of your favorite thing, maybe I'd then think about doing it mm -hmm. uh, more part-time as like spending a bit of time giving advice and sharing context mm -hmm. instead. Can you say a bit more about what you mean when you say kind of a manager skill set? Yeah, uh, it's probably a bit hard to fully unpick, mm -hmm. but maybe particularly like if you enjoy um, talking with people about their work and mm -hmm. helping think through like what are they stuck on 
um, and uh, work through problems like that might be one thing that's just particularly useful in that context. Yeah. Um, and I guess for your own experience, you spoke a bit about having Owen as mentor. Was he kind of the primary example of that? Did you have other mentors? Like, in what ways did they help you? Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like I've been very lucky to have kind of a series of mentors and people I've I've learned from over the years. Uh, I think probably my first mentors were like I worked at a B and B and just like learning diligence and yeah. setting high standards and stuff in that context was really useful. And then Owen, and then. Um, yeah, I think more recently Nick Beckstead mm -hmm. has also been very useful, like helping me learn to be a better manager um, as well. Yeah. Um, and you talk about building the field that you want to see in five years' time. I guess for your field, like what do you see that as being and, and what work are you doing to make it the field that you want to see? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel so excited about um, what kind of the meta space in general is, is how that's going at the moment. Um, so. Yeah, I think broadly what I hope in 30 years time is that the EA, in 10 years time is that the EA community is 30 times bigger. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's just this massive growth uh, that we're going to see in general. And then I think what that means for the meta space in particular is I think we need to scale up events like this um, and, and rethink uh, them so that they then become, I think could in a few years time be some of the biggest conferences that exist. Could be like more like Comic Con than yeah. <laughs> uh, just a, a small event like this. And um, another thing that I'm particularly excited about is the uh, growing uh, uh, presence on universities. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I'm really excited about, which I think Joan is going to talk about soon, is uh, the Campus Specialist Program, which is one thing, mm. investment we're making in this to uh, provide a, it's a bit like Teach for America or Teach First, mm -hmm. provide a program of two years employment and training and support for people who've just graduated mm -hmm. to try out uh, organizing on their campus. And I think that's a great way to test out a bunch of different roles in the meta space. Mm -hmm. And then maybe to find find another, maybe if you enjoy event organizing on your campus, mm -hmm. you can then go on and do event organizing as a career in the meta space, for yeah. instance. So I'm very excited about that. I mean, that. I'm really excited about that. So <laughs> I, did a, I did teach first out of university, and I think it's, um, uh, I think it was a really impressive way to like, I guess like uh, make something that typically, I guess like, people wouldn't necessarily go into and it made a, an entire profession kind of exciting for young people and prestigious. Yeah. So that's really, that's really cool. Um, so uh, how much time do you personally spend mentoring people outside of CEA in a given week or month? Um, and how much time do you think someone should spend on it? Obviously it depends on the person, but. Yeah, um, I think I probably actually still don't spend as much as I should. <laughs> um, probably, I sp so in a given month, um, maybe I spend uh, like, three or four hours mm -hmm. total, and but I think I'd be open to spending more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, and I think I'm kind of on the lookout for people who I could do that more with. I think maybe like one to two hours a week um, might be a good level, but I do think it just varies a lot by person. Yeah, and um, how do you think, how would, how would one know that they're far enough, far enough along in their EA journey to start mentoring? Because I guess you don't want to mentor if you're, uh, you're not yeah. kind of, grounded enough in the basics or um, you, you don't really understand the concepts yet? Yeah, so I think this is where the, the idea of like looking one to two steps back mm -hmm. is how I think about this. So even, yeah, probably if you've just heard about EA, maybe you could even begin sharing that with friends who haven't heard about EA yet. And mm -hmm. if you've gone through, uh, if you've spent, done a lot of reading on EA already, you think you're familiar with the core concepts, mm -hmm. probably you're then able to begin teaching people some of the core concepts a little bit more. So that's kind of how I think about it. And I think it can like the, it can start early, but obviously you should also uh, know your limitations. So don't kind of, 
if you've learned the basics of EA, don't begin being very confident about what people should do in the long term. So I think obviously, yeah, know your limitations as well, but I think you can begin being useful to people earlier than some people think. Great. And which programs are you most excited about um, in terms of like facilitating mentorship? Is, is that what Joan's going to touch on? Or? Um, yeah, so I think groups is in, in a way a form of this mentorship kind of mm -hmm. early on where people have learnt a fair amount about EA and then keen to share that with other people on campuses. And then I think that's actually the main purpose of EA Global yeah. um, is bringing people together who are at different stages and helping yeah, share knowledge and context between them. So that's the main thing we're trying to do with EA Global and I'm really excited to mm -hmm. keep trying to expand that and yeah. scale it up. I've been hugely impressed with you know, people you meet that have gone through like the EA Introductory Fellowship. Firstly, the, the caliber of people it brings in yep. and then what they learn. What are kind of some success stories you've heard from the fellowship? Yeah, so I think we've already had like a billionaire go through the fellowship or something quite yeah. surprising. Um, and yeah, um, I think generally some of the biggest successes so far have been, I, I think one of the great things about the virtual fellowships in, in particular is that anywhere there's an internet connection, you can be a part of them. And so that's been really useful for setting up uh, EA communities in new parts of the world, new universities, mm -hmm. because there can be like a few, a few people who we find through the virtual programs and we, then, we can then connect them and say like, hey, you might want to start a local group. So yeah. that's really nice to, to see that then leading to more established communities. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, to wrap up, what's one thing you'd like the audience to sort of take away from this talk, one message, one action? Yeah, I think, um, Probably the key thing is to uh, look for people who are a couple of steps back in their journey. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and in particular at this conference, uh, see if you can talk to some group organizers before you go home. Okay, wonderful. Thanks very much, Max. Please join me in thanking Max. <laughs> <laughs>